Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Audrey and I'm your host. You are going to be in love again and it will be magnificent. This quote broke records when we shared it a couple of weeks ago on our Instagram, so we know you guys like to talk about love and dating after divorce as much as we do. We like to celebrate how you have grown through your breakups and are so much more in touch with what you need from a partner than ever before. And while knowing what your deal breakers are might make dating easier, we know that it's still really hard. That's why we brought our friend Karen Bigman, the divorcierge, on the podcast today. Karen has the best tips on how to get back out into a world that is pretty different than the one that you dated in before your marriage. Luckily, Karen's seminars dive into the best practices for the app scene, and she is sharing all of her pointers with us today. Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle is a weekly podcast, so make sure you subscribe to keep up with new episodes we're curating to help empower and uplift you as you embrace your fresh start. This podcast is for you, so reach out to us at podcastworthy.com to let us know what you think and what you want to hear. You can also get more at worthy.com slash podcast. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Karen. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more. If you live in the New York area, you've probably heard of Karen Bigman and her unparalleled service, The Divorcierge. She partners with individuals going through divorce to help them navigate the emotional, financial, and logistical issues that make up the experience of getting divorced, which allows her clients to have a less stressful experience and a better post-divorce life. Karen calls on her business and her life coach training to offer her clients a unique perspective, helping them practically and tactically, as well as emotionally through the divorce process. She is the exact kind of person any woman would want in her corner throughout her divorce journey, and that's why at Worthy, we're so proud to work with her, and we are so happy to have her on today's episode. Welcome, Karen. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so glad that you're here. So I think it would be good if we started, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure, sure. So I am divorced after a long marriage. I have two children. They're not quite children anymore, young adults, 22 and 26. Uh And I have quite a varied background in terms of uh, work experience and personal experience. I started out in technology, literally in computer programming to marketing and then project management. And uh, along the way, somewhere in between, I worked worked as a stay-at-home mother Uh uh, for 12-plus years uh, raising my children, which I guess falls under the project management category Absolutely. (laughs) And then in the last few years, I have um, moved into the coaching world as as a certified divorce coach and an MBA, which I received also way back, way back when. (laughs) So you started Divorcierge after your own divorce, right? 
Yes. I kind of tried to start it um, while I was getting divorced, which I do not recommend to anyone to start a new business wow. <laughs> when you're getting divorced. But the idea did come uh, right around when I was, was getting my divorce. And um, I had run into a friend of mine who was very overwhelmed in the bank trying to open up an account. And I ended up helping her navigate the administrative side of, of uh, her, her personal life. And the idea was born kind of from that. And so I, once I made it through my, my process, I did some, some classes in, in life and divorce coaching and started to kind of, I hung a shingle and started to work mostly with women, partnering with them as they go through the process. I think it's so great. I mean, just the the fact that the idea was kind of born in your own experience and being able to identify all of the challenges of the divorce journey and and then being able to provide a service that that makes it easier for others. That's such a beautiful thing and and I think it's so cool. So, when did it really launch? I know you said you don't recommend doing it in the in the midst of divorce. <laughs> Uh, so the legal launch and the actual launch. I'm going to go with the actual. So, okay. so it's been. I'm I'm I, I'm in my third year is the way I look at it. So this is the point where I'm starting to really figure out who I am as a as a coach and and what you know clients need most out there. You know, every divorce it really is very different. Starting with my own and and what mm-hmm. I've seen and experienced through my work, and so I'm starting to to see I guess patterns of process. Not necessarily that any any two divorces are the same. So I'd say three years ago would be the would be the short answer. <laughs> right. So you deal with all different parts of the divorce experience, and the piece that we're going to be focusing on today is dating. So let's start just by talking about like how big of a topic is dating in your work? Is it is it like the first thing? When do people want to start talking about dating, and and how does it fit into your business? So the answer is, uh, it depends. Right. <laughs> Most of my clients are, uh, when they come to me, are at the beginning of the do- divorce process. Mm-hmm. Just sort of a, a side note, I do also um, work with people who are towards the end of it, whether they're looking for career or, or, or dating, that would, what that would kind of be, or po- right post-divorce. But mo- most of my clients really are in the, the process. And so if they do decide to date, you know, I, I, I will never tell somebody not to, but right. probably th- they won't really have their mind around it uh, at the beginning because there's just so much else going on in terms of just figuring out, you know, most of my clients have children, how to navigate just the logistics of life as well as the logistics of divorce. Dating is really not like the first thing on their mind. And in fact, sometimes the idea that they will ever have a new partner seems so overwhelming to them. So just sort of working to that place where they can actually start to think about starting over in a new new relationship. So what do you tell somebody who's having a hard time believing that there's love in her future? You know, it's, it's a little bit of this too shall pass, but you really mm-hmm. have to experience it. And, and I think it's so important to actually experience every feeling and emotion that mm-hmm. comes with the process of divorce in order to be able to be in that place that you're ready to date. Because if you kind of just say, well, I just want to get out there and this is, you know, it's time to let bygones be bygones, chances are you won't be able to show up uh, properly for any relationship. Um, so, right. you know, I guess looking at stories of others who've been through similar, similar experiences, and sometimes it's just not right to talk about it in the beginning. It's just something that they have to kind of be ready to address um, themselves. 
Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, at Worthy, we see that people are really, really interested in our blog articles and our, our social stuff all about dating and love. And we know it's something that maybe it takes a minute to get there for people, but it's, it is like everybody's favorite topic. And you do such a great job of helping women get back into dating. So let's start by talking about when a woman knows that she's ready to start dating after divorce. I know you talked about it. sometimes you have to work back up to it and and heal a little bit. And of course, it's different for every person. But what do you recommend as, as a divorce coach? So let me just step back and talk about my experience a little bit. So I can be, I'm sort of the guinea pig for anyone who's <laughs> been through it. So I um, Perfect. Went, went back into the dating world at, at 52. And uh-huh. I started out sort of just through introductions and very quickly went online and also proceeded pretty quickly to get my heart crushed because <laughs> I was not, uh-huh. I was incredibly vulnerable. And there are people out there that will certainly take advantage of you uh, when you're in that situation. So absolutely. So, so what I learned, um, you know, not so quickly, but through experience was that really f- finding out who you are and what you need and what worked and didn't work in your past relationships or your marriage, if that was the, the main relationship in your life. Uh, once you're sort of clearer on that, mm-hmm. you're clearer on how, how to move forward or you'll start to see uh, where people fit or don't fit into your life. That's interesting. Do you find that most of your clients are looking for someone different? Like how much does your client's divorce inform the way she approaches dating? I think it depends. It it depends on the person. I certainly think, um, you know, I have a couple of clients who have been married to, and they happen to women who were married to men that had various personality disorders. One's a sociopath, Mm -hmm. the other, you know, strong narcissistic characteristics. Wow. Sometimes these women, you know, often they've been emotionally abused and they're really beaten down. And so it it really takes some, you know, strength and coaching till they can finally uh, feel good about themselves to even entertain the idea. On the other hand, uh, I you know I have a couple of clients who, while they were going through the process, just went out and hooked up, and it was liberating yeah. for them. I have one client who's, I think she's forty-seven or forty-eight with three young children. Um, it was a long, I don't know, call it a seventeen-year relationship, and went out and hooked up with a thirty-one-year-old a couple of times, and it was like she was just thrilled. She wasn't looking for a new relationship. She's in the middle of her divorce, and that yeah. was sort of the, her just sort of her one, it was an awakening. And two, it was like, wow, I guess, you know, this can happen for me again. So, yeah. you know, it, it depends on on the situation. She was probably sure. in a different emotional state than well, some of the others. good for her in any case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so when somebody starts thinking about getting back out there and maybe now their divorce is finalized or they've really started to heal and and adjust to their new life. How do you introduce dating into your life? I mean, you've got kids that you're taking care of. Where's the entry point there? And, and how do you talk to your kids about it? How do, how do you recommend to your clients that they balance these kind of different hats of their new life? 
Yeah. So, you know, it really has to do with, um, well, I, I'd say, you know, the age of the children to a certain extent, but I think it's a couple of things. I think the first thing is you have to, in your own mind, understand that you're, you know, kind of, I don't want to say over your ex, because if you have children mm-hmm. with them, it's kind of hard to be over them, but you've, you've sort of let go of all that anger and hatred of whether it's your spouse or men in general, which can happen. And then as far as the kids go, I think it's okay for the kids to know that you're going out. Um, I think it's, probably not wise, uh, regardless of the age of the kids, to introduce the fact that you're dating so quickly. The research okay. kind of shows it's once you're in a, in a, in a long-term relationship, you know, and you think this person's going to be coming in and out of their life, then might be a good time to yeah. meet the kids. But what sometimes happens, particularly when the kids are, you know, teenagers or a little older, is that we start to think of them as our pals and they're dating and we're dating and we can just all do this. And it's so much fun. And I think that it's a false belief because you're still their mom and right. they don't want to have to be taking care of you. That they, they shouldn't be that you're confidant. But if your spouse has the kids on an alternate weekend, like that's a good place to start. So you really don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, I always like to think of dating after divorce and having a relationship and love after divorce as as kind of two separate challenges because dating, you know, getting back out there and being vulnerable and opening yourself up to rejection and meeting strangers and figuring out how to flirt again is, you know, that's its own own set of challenges and then being able to trust somebody and open up and connect after you've been burned. I mean, it, it, it is kind of two different things. And I imagine that those two different experiences are not the same when you're you're thinking about how your kids are going to relate to what's going on in your life. No, you're absolutely right. And very good points. I think the first thing I would say about dating, and, and it's kind of interesting because men tend to jump right into another relationship. It's, and and I, mm-hmm. I don't have any research to back it, but I've seen <laughs> it. Um, that they, they don't want to be alone. They've had somebody typically taking care of everything and all, they want somebody there to do it. And women sort of start to, start to find themselves. But what, what I feel is like the primary thing you should be thinking about when you start dating is... I'm just looking to make a new friend. And if this friend happens to be somebody I, I you know that that works into a longer term relationship, great. But if not, well, maybe I met somebody new that will be great for one of my friends or they teach me uh-huh. something. They teach me yeah. something about myself. They teach me something about what they do or who they are or how different people live. And it's just that's that's the attitude and experience that will eventually bring you to a place where uh, you can start to open up to a relationship because you'll get to know, like if you go in and you think the first guy is going to, Oh my God, he's my soulmate. Um, and you know, the profile has, I love walks on the beach and, and uh, oh, I mean, perfect. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Who doesn't right. You know, and, and soft puppies and gourmet dinner, <laughs> and, you know, of course, of course. Um, that's probably, you know, like, you know, it, it happens. If you yeah. see it happens, you know, people do meet their soulmates and in, in on one date online. But I'd say, um, you know, we we all have many soulmates, and I think soulmates are rarely sparked in one second. I think they're they're developed and and relationships that develop. I like that. So in your writing, when you talk about dating, you talk about dating in a new world. What is the new world? What are what are we talking about? So for those of us that even were married, I'd say even like. 10, 15 years ago, or, or having mm-hmm. dated even in that, for me, it was, you know, over 25. But for a lot of people, 
online dating has become like the place to, right. to date. And it's just interesting. The other day I was um, with someone who's actually going through divorce right now. Um, I think he's in his you know, mid forties or something. And he said, you know, it's so weird now, you know, you go to a restaurant or a bar, of course, in, in New York city, we, we are, we're out a lot um, socially. And you can tell that all these couples are meeting for the first time from online dating. It's just the way things are. And that was really, it was very frightening at first. And then it, I sort of said, well, I'm going to make this fun. And uh-huh. once you kind of can, you know, be safe, but have fun with it, it just, it changes the way, you know, you, you, you're not nervous about it anymore. And, and I will tell yeah. you that the online part, I wasn't nervous about, but every single date I went on, I was incredibly nervous right before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're right that the world has changed so much the way that we meet people and the way that we communicate in between dates or leading up to a date. It's just so different. But beyond that, I mean, you said it had been 25 years since you had dated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that and it's a – forget technology. You're a different person. Right. Like it's a – your world is different anyway. So I want to know like when you started dating, what were the biggest changes for you and the biggest adjustments in this new world of dating? So the, the online part started after the, the, the guy that broke my heart. So <laughs> someone, I actually, I had, I dated someone very quickly right after who was also in a similar situation and it, he was too needy and we were both having our own stuff. So that didn't work. And then, yeah. I, then I got my heart broken and then I said, okay, I, I've got to try this, this online thing. I think that actually it's amazing because you really know who you are and know what you want and you're not afraid to ask for it. So once I went through those two, you know, for the first year or two of of dealing with these unhappy relationships, like I started to say like, wait a minute, like I'm pretty good and I'm, I'm like a strong person and I am starting my own business and I've been living on my own and my, you know, I'm taking care of myself and I'm paying my own bills and yes. I'm going out, you know, I, I learned to go out and just sit at a bar and eat dinner by myself or go to a movie. I travel by myself and I started to feel like I'm worthy, if I may, of, of somebody who, who is just as good as me. And so middle-aged women particularly, we're, we, you know, we, we're willing to say things that when you're, you know, in your 20s, you're afraid to right. say. You're afraid yeah. to ask. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're just not as sure of yourself. And also, like, if somebody didn't like me for who I was, then... I don't need to be with you. I don't need to play games. Exactly. Like, that was a great lesson too, you know? Right. I mean, there's so much value to what you're saying. And I think, you know, we know that dating after divorce can be so overwhelming for so many different reasons. But the silver lining here is exactly what you were saying, that you you have lived this life and you have experience and you know what doesn't work for you and you know not to settle. And it might take time for some people to let go of anger against like all men Um, and that's okay and that's normal. But to be able to say, you know what, I deserve this much and I'm not going to settle for less than that. It's just, it's a really wonderful thing that I think happens. And also like not just what you deserve, but that you are terrific yeah, and beautiful and 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 right. independent and you know your your energy even online your energy comes out and the more you can put that energy out that's what you're going to get back so if you right. put out you know um like victim energy and you know he hurt me or she hurt me and you know they're they were terrible and and I'm so mad at them and look how they treated their kids and I can't believe it like 
who's going to want to go out with somebody like that? Now you may feel that, but you don't want to bring that with you. You want to, you want to try to put it behind you and say that I lived in, it was not my choice to have lived it, but look how great it is now that I get to start over. Yeah. That's your fresh start that we Mm -hmm. always talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about online dating and get the best tips from Karen. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. Worthy provides the smart solution for women looking to safely elevate their rings from dusty relics of hard times to financial assets to help you embrace your fresh start. Worthy covers the cost of insurance, shipping, grading, and more. So if you're going to sell, sell smart with Worthy. Go to worthy.com slash podcast to get started. We're ready when you are. We are back with Karen Bigman. Karen, I think it's time to start talking about online dating. So how long do you think that it takes somebody to get in the swing of things on online dating and, and figure out the apps and the tech and also the etiquette? Like how how long does it take for someone to be able to handle themselves in this new world of online dating? I think it kind of goes back to some of the things I said before. It's your attitude. So it really depends. You know, a lot of people find it really easy to go on the apps like Tinder and Bumble and Hinge where Mm -hmm. you can just sort of get a flavor of the people that are out there very quickly. And it starts, you can start the fun that way. And other people are more serious and want to have a, a different approach. So, and, you know, it's, it's as long as you want. I will tell you that, you know, the good news and the bad news, it's, it is work <laughs> to, to be successful <laughs> at it. Um, that if you just sign up and, and don't do anything with it or you just kind of swipe and swipe and hope for the best, chances are, you know, not much will come of it. Not, not, not all the time, but um, if you really want to invest in finding somebody who's right for you, then you got to work for it. Right. So... When somebody's picking the photos to put on their app and their bio, what are the best practices? What what works for your clients? Okay, so so back to what I was saying before in terms of like be yourself, be authentic. I have uh-huh. a, a great story here. Um, one of the dates okay. I went on, <laughs> I, I, I went on a date with a stockbroker, and I showed up on the date, and he was like oh my God, you look like your picture. And I, and I sort of looked at him curiously like, well, well, of course I look like my picture. And he said, well, in my office, every time I go on a date, they all take bets on whether or not the date is going to look like her picture. Oh my God. (laughs) So if you're 65, don't post a picture of you at 30. And if you're 30, don't post a picture making you look 65 because you like older men. Be authentic, be who you are. If you want to put a headshot that's professionally done by all means, but also put some action shots and, and shots of you in, in real life and, and, and what you like to do. Now, some of the apps, you can even put videos. I, I think Match has video. Oh, wow. Some other ones, you can do short videos. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you start off deceiving somebody by showing, you know, perfect pictures, then that's not the greatest start to a relationship because it's right. just the beginning of, of deception. And chances are you attract somebody who's deceiving in, in some way as well. Right. I mean, we were talking about, you know, how the second go around and when you get back to dating after divorce, it's like you're there with this new Mm self-awareness. And so like lead with that, like pick pictures that are 
that are real representations of not just what you look like, but who you are and what your life is like because you only have what to be proud of. Exactly. But there are some rules of thumb that, you know, again, you can, everybody has a different opinion, but I'm just going to go on what I use as rules of thumb. Five to seven photos. Five to seven photos. Okay. Photos. At (laughs) least one full body shot. And it does not have to be a sexy bikini shot. Okay, good. (laughs) If you're a couple pounds overweight because you've born three children and you try to just show your face, somebody's going to know. And you know what? Who cares? If somebody cares that you're a couple pounds overweight, then you don't want to date them. Yeah, that makes sense. It should be an authentic picture. And I really think you you see someone's personality in their eyes. And so um, I would say make sure that your your eyes are sparkling in some way. (laughs) Um, There's even one study that said that if women tilt their head I think, and wear red, something like that, that that's attractive. That You know, that reminds me of a McDonald's marketing strategy. It's like the arches and the red and yellow make mm-hmm. you hungry. It's like, if you look oh, like McDonald's, I- you'll get a date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but again, but if you're a really serious person, maybe you're, you know, a professor and you're very studious and serious and like, you know, yeah. giving a sparkly little head, head tilted smile is not who you are, then that shouldn't be the picture that, that you show. All the pictures should have you in them. If you have children, juries out, I don't believe in putting pictures of your children. I think it's a combination of, I'm not looking for your children, I'm looking for you. And I'm, I'm also, um, it, it's, I don't know that it's safe. Do be honest that you have children, but you don't need to show mm-hmm. pictures of them. If you have a pet that you love and you want to take a picture with your pet, that's fine. But just putting a picture of your pet is kind of wasting, wasting a picture. Yeah, your dating app real estate. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I don't know what the statistic is. You probably know this better than me, how long people actually look at things. (laughs) It's short. (laughs) Yeah. It's like less than a second. Usually you have uh, almost no chance to make your first impression unless your dog is really cute. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you're as cute as your dog. Why wouldn't you? you That's true. That's true. (laughs) They get you both. Okay. And then what about bios? How do bios work? Is it different on different apps or... Yeah. So it changes by the minute. So I I can't tell you that I even know what all the apps are out there. The ones that I kind of use as my benchmarks are Tinder, Bumble, the the quicker ones, Hinge, and then Match, OkCupid, the the ones that we traditionally thought of as the online ones, which I guess everybody's on apps now. Yeah. So so my moniker, which is what you start with, was witty and charming because I'm kind of fun and a little bit kooky. And that was- You are witty and charming. (laughs) See, we're going back to lead with authenticity. Exactly, exactly. So start by picking a moniker that is true to who you are, but also may say something about uh-huh. you, like, um, you know, biker chick or, you know, love the Alps or your favorite author or hashtag something, you know, what, something that, that, that will attract people that's not, you know, overly sexual or overly um, sexual. Did I just say that sexual? Um <laughs> I mean, did you think we were going to do an episode about dating and not get to anything sexual? <laughs> Hopefully there will one day. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's right. And by the way, that's what we should bring that up as, as we get to the actual date uh, in a minute. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so yeah, so, so pick, pick a moniker that tells a little bit about who you are. And then when, when you're writing, 
write positively. I think there's a study out there by Match. I can't remember the name. Singles in America, I think it's called, and it gives you uh-huh. a couple of tips on on what the ratio is. But I think it's something like 70% of who you are, 30% of what you want, or, want, or something like that. So you want to write about you know, who you are. And I would say whether it's bullet form or short paragraphs, not like a long diatribe of, you know, non sequiturs and, and stream of consciousness, you know, kind of points, um, uh-huh. love to dance, you know, f- find myself in the Himalayas every summer, or, you know, yoga is my thing, whatever, whatever it is, something that people can read fairly easily. And then looking for, you know, the guy who, or the girl who, wants to be my tango partner or, and, and, you know, conquer the world or, or, or whatever it is. So, so try to right. try to make a little bit of a story out of it, but that shows, you know, that shows your personality and your likes and dislikes and think about what those are for you. You know, it's really, you know, what are you looking for? What are your absolute needs, your wants and your must have, you know, or, and you're okay. Like I could live with, or I can't live with there. Here's one that was kind of interesting that I learned about. Apparently if you're 420 friendly, it means that you are a marijuana smoker and the same, you know, if you're a social drinker or if you're somebody that likes to go out and get toasted, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people are going to be obvious about it, but so, so just, you know, a couple points about, about what you like to do. And, um, I would try very hard to stay away from anything negative about your past. And I say the same thing when you're looking at other profiles, when you see um, negative, you know, I don't want this and I'm over this and, you know, no such and such need apply. Those are all things that are very negative and also show that you, that you are not really over your past relationship. Yeah. Okay. That's good advice. So, all right. Now we've got our profile set up and our bio and our arrangement of photos that show how well-rounded and happy and ready for for the next chapter we are. So what happens? You get a match. You start chatting. Walk us through this. So again, the different approaches. And I have, you know, my rule of thumb. The first is some, some people feel that you can just write hi and wait for what the other person says. I believe in, you know, hey, I saw your picture climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So cool. That's on my bucket list. Tell me about it. So it gives someone an opening to actually start a conversation. Yeah. That's what I would say. That is also really nice because you're showing interest in them and it's easy to copy and paste the same, hi, how are you, to a bunch of people. But this also gives that person a feeling that you're interested in them and and what they have picked as their authentic representation of who they are. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and on a side note, I will tell you, um, I have been dating someone for the last two years that I met on Match.com. In my profile, I wrote that I was a chocoholic and that I wasn't looking to be a reformed chocoholic. <laughs> and I showed up on the first date actually quite, you know, disinterested, but it was like I felt, you know, I made the date. I have to, I have to go on it. Yeah. And he showed up with a box of Godiva truffles, which was oh. the first time he really read my profile. So, yeah. so it really does show that people care. And so it, it is yeah. something great. Then there's a rule of thumb, six interactions, three and three, and Ooh. go to either the phone or set up a date. Because if it just keeps going, you'll end up in one of these technology relationships and it won't really uh-huh. be a relationship. And it's kind of fun and it's easy to be you know, kitschy and sexy and daring when you're online. Um, but yeah. you're really looking to date. Right. You want your dynamic to develop in person. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. You get three and they get three. Right. And obviously this isn't like law. You exactly, can... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can get to eight, but okay. So the, the idea is you don't want to spend too much time interacting in the app. You right. want to take it offline. So how do you do that? What's the move? That depends. And again, I ha- have no problem asking someone to meet. Uh, some people might feel mm-hmm. they want the man to ask. Uh, you know, that's a matter of preference. I think in this day and age, it's okay for women to ask. There's even like the Bumble app is for women to reach out first. So, so you know, w- whatever you're comfortable with. And then whether you want to have the phone call first. So living in New York City is a little different, I think, than living in a suburb where here it's I feel like if you meet right away, you're going to meet in a public place and there's always an out. I think Mm -hmm. if you're going to meet somebody in the suburbs, um, it's a little bit different because, you know, you you have to go to your car and you could be followed and all these things. So you you might want to speak to them first and definitely you want to try to Google them and see if you can get any information. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Really important. Where do you look for them? Do you look like at their LinkedIn, their Facebook? What do you look for? Well, so it, it's interesting. Someone just told me that they they met someone who didn't know someone's last name till the third date, and then they found out they were like on trial for murder or something. <laughs> <gasps> You're kidding! That is such a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I was already shocked when you said that they didn't know their last name, and then you said murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how crazy wow. is that? Yeah. Oh my god. Well, that's extreme case. So don't, don't shy away from. So you want you want you want to be smart, and and you know it's it's hard to know what the right balance is of providing information on one hand. On the other hand, once they have your cell phone, they can figure out who you are. So if you're really really concerned about safety and security, and and you absolutely don't want anyone to know until you've really gotten to know them and feel comfortable with them. You can use a Google Voice phone number. You can, you know, and in fact, um, I recommend this too. When you create your email address, create a Google email address that doesn't have your real name on it for purposes of, of the online dating. And once you feel comfortable and you kind of trust a person or you know that they're real and they're authentic, like if I go back to the, the famous stockbroker, I knew his first name, I knew what town he lived in, and I knew what company he worked for. I didn't know his last name, so I Googled him and I found it right away. And he was not on trial for murder? He was not on trial for murder. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, thankfully. um, He wasn't the best guy in the world, but he was not (laughs) definitely not a murderer. (laughs) Okay. So then, you know, use your judgment. And if your gut is mm-hmm. telling you something's not right, it's not right and get out and don't don't worry about hurting people's feelings. But go on, you know, so you go on the date. And I would say the safest way to go on a date in terms of the, the actual date is meet for coffee or meet for a drink if you're a drinker or meet for a walk, always in a public place. And just schedule a short date because if you don't like the person, you're stuck with them if you go to dinner or lunch. You're stuck for right. a couple of hours. And if you do like the person, you always have the option to extend. But it gives you, you know, it's kind of safe. And you can always, the next date can be longer if you didn't allocate right. enough time. That's um, smart. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of the fun part because <laughs> you right. get to see what, who people really are and, and how far they'll go in terms of, you know, being authentic and not and you know just learning funny things and have funny stories to to tell your kids later oh my gosh so okay aside from murder (laughs) what (laughs) what are the red flags that our listeners should look out for when they're swiping through profiles I hope I haven't jaded all these people (laughs) 
<laughs> Everyone stopped listening. They got to murder and they're like, I'm never dating. <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't really happen that way. Um, okay. So, so I started with like, whether you're, you know, on the date, I mm-hmm. remember going on a date with someone who would not stop bashing their ex and saying how she did this, this, and this and alienated him from his kids. And he just said all this horrible stuff. And then at the end of the date, he said, I think you're really mysterious. I'd like to date you again. <laughs> I looked him in the face and said, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh so my gosh. somebody is constantly bashing other people, then chances are they're going to do the same about you. And it generally means that they are um, negative on themselves, really. If they're yeah. cagey, uh, I had one friend who, she was speaking to the guy, he still lives at home, but they're separated, which is kind of a little bit of a red flag, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then when they wanted, she wanted to meet, they had to be in a certain place, and she realized the guy must still be married. And there are there are people out there that that do um, that are still married, and and I mean married, still married, not married, separated, and living okay. together. So so, and that is another thing you have to decide if you're okay going out with someone who's separated but not divorced. If something makes you uncomfortable, if you feel like there's some sort of personality issue, or if they're overly charming. It right. can be red flags. If they're overly honest, they just like tell you everything. It's like, you know, TMI on date one. Yeah. It's probably also a sign that there's not like a real connection there mm-hmm. because it's not, it's like not super organic to just like spill everything. It's not a job interview. Right. And sometimes you feel really connected and you will share something a lot, you know, you have a lot to talk about, but it's, mm-hmm. there's things to talk about and then there are personal things that you want right. to a little closer to the best. And then, you know, enjoy yourself. And, you know, there's there's different theories on who should pay. You know, in the beginning, I, I, I feel differently now. But at the time, I always let my date pay for the first two or three dates. Uh-huh. I would either offer to pay or, or split. Um, I, I Today, I would say offer to split. If you really don't like the person, you know, you definitely don't want to let them pay for you. It's just ethically, I don't think it's right. Um, and if they insist, well, you know, it's up to you to say it's okay. I'm okay with somebody taking care of the bill. Yeah. And that's also, I think, a good way to get things started. I mean, a lot of the time we're back at dating after a divorce where somebody was too controlling or made us feel small and and really being able to establish your independence and, you know, not let somebody kind of bulldoze you with even something as seemingly, you know, innocent as paying for dinner, it's nice to kind of set those boundaries right up front. Right. And that goes back to what we were saying before about how, you know, you really, you become an expert on what you want and what you need and what's comfortable for you. So it's, I think you're right that it's important to really express that early and to, to be proud of, of who you are and what you've learned. Exactly. Great, great points. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's, you know, like the, this is sort of one of the pre-date things that I, that I always struggle with because I'm a baby boomer and I also, I also grew up in a, in a European city. So when people met and they said hello, they'd kiss on both cheeks and then you come Uh to the States and everybody shakes hands. And now the younger generation hugs or we would, you know, when I'd see my, see my friends, I kiss on the cheek and I never know, do I hug? Do I kiss? Do I shake? (laughs) So when you meet the person, I found that most people will hug hello. Okay. So that's been my experience. But again, you go to your comfort level. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm having so much fun talking about this. I feel like we could go on forever, but we're going to have to wrap up yes, soon. Yes, yes, Let me just make quick, quick points. The post date, and this is the the, the part that the, the ghosting or the crumbing, or there's all these different Ooh. names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who can keep up with all these new names? <laughs> be, be careful of that. So if somebody, um, you know, if somebody disappears, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody starts stalking you, block them on all your social media. And, um, if someone calls for another date and you don't want to go, you know, it's, it's okay to say, thank you. I I don't think you're right for me. And maybe I have a friend for you or you're just not right for me. You know, it's your time and your, your life and you can make decision. But I I would say be polite because it's not nice when it happens to you that somebody doesn't, doesn't respond. You should be the same way. That's good advice. What is like your last piece of advice for women who are feeling discouraged about dating. You know, you you mentioned this, and this is also something that Emma Johnson said on our first episode, that like after your divorce, there's a guy who's going to really break your heart and it's going to be really hard to bounce back. And that happens to a lot of people. So when you're feeling discouraged and and like there's not good options out there for you, what wisdom can you share with a woman who's feeling that way? Well, I think that if someone breaks your heart, you probably weren't ready and they weren't the right person. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. like, you know, coaching yourself around that. But I think, you know, the thing I say on my seminar, my Dating a New World seminar is that it's work, but that just like you are terrific, there's someone out there that's equally terrific. And you will find them if you are open to them and you put out the right energy. Um, it, It will happen. It just, it just, I've seen it time and time again. And I see that the people who say, I never, I'm never meeting anyone that all men are terrible. And I, I feel like saying, what, what's wrong with you? Like, there's something there. We got it. We got to coach you through that, through that thing. Because if you let go of it, I bet you'll find somebody. Well, and that kind of leads me to my last question. How can women who live in the New York area get involved with you? And then what about the rest of the women in America? <laughs> <laughs> so I coach all, all over the world through, uh-huh. through Skype and, and in every other video or, or telephone, um, whatever works for you. At my website, thedivorcierge.com, I have a complimentary consultation on the phone, which anyone can sign up for. I typically do those on Fridays and um, we can talk about whether there are ways for us to work together or I might direct you mm-hmm. if there are things that you that you need to do. And certainly if you live in the New York City area, I have an office uh, downtown in Tribeca. Well, I had so much fun and I hope that we can do more episodes together in the future. I think we've given people a lot to think about as they get back out there and keeping them safe and smart. And we wish all of you who are getting on the apps, the best of luck, and to just remember that you are really, really special and wonderful just the way you are. And if there's someone who disappoints you, it is not a reflection of you and the best is yet to come. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. So with that, I think we'll say thank you one more time. Thank you. Yeah, we look forward to having you back and uh, maybe we'll see you on the dating apps. Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again to Karen Bigman for joining us and to all of you for listening. Next week is all about taking control of your finances after divorce. If you're already overwhelmed, don't worry. Lori Itkin is here and we have so many materials to help ease you into becoming the wealth warrior you were meant to become. 
Lori helped us survey nearly 1,800 women who are building their lives after divorce or are currently getting divorced. You are not going to want to miss what we learned and the solutions we've got to help you get your debt, investments, and all things money into shape. If this feels like too much for you, we promise you you'll finish the episode feeling capable of taking full control of your finances. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your feed weekly. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. Worthy is an online auction platform designed to help you sell valuable items like an engagement ring or a wedding set. When you decide to send your ring in, we pay for the shipping and insurance to ensure that it arrives safely to our New York office. Once we receive the ring, we have it professionally graded and photographed, which helps it sell competitively in our buyer network. One of the best parts of working with Worthy is that you get to set the minimum on your item. After the grading, our gemologists will give you a recommended selling minimum, but at the end of the day, you get to decide how much you want to sell the ring for. If the highest bid comes in below that threshold and you decide not to accept it, we'll send you your ring back and we'll even cover the costs of the insured shipping again. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Are you ready to embrace your fresh start? Us too. Go to worthy.com podcast to learn more.